Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Ivan the Terrible to my Ivan Tony. It's Justin Peach. That, speaking of terrible, that was that was uh, borderline there. Yeah, That's very one bad. for the Russian history buffs. <laughs> Justin, how are you doing? I'm very good. Bit of a disappointing morning. Saying before we, we start recording, become the Sunday League cliche. Played six minutes. Good times. Yeah, yeah. Why did you go off after six minutes? No, I came on in oh, the came fourth on. minute. Yeah, <laughs> I you, was forgotten about. Did you have to pay the match fee? I just walked off. To be fair, I didn't actually. Yeah, I, I wasn't stroppy. Well, I wasn't stroppy. I just I got changed because we got to get changed outside. Got changed and then went. It sounds like you had a bit of a strop to me. <laughs> uh, we've got ourselves a bit of a relegation battle special episode of the second tier today on the show. With us is Dan Fudge from the Sheffield Wednesday podcast, the Wednesday Week. Dan, how's it going? How's it going, Ryan? You all right? Thanks for having me again. I thought I'd, uh, I thought I'd done my money this season. So did I. <laughs> but you managed to keep us on for the last day, and that's why we're here today. Matt Lax from the Rotherham United podcast is also here. Matt, you well? Yeah, mate. Thank you very much, Joe. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. You are listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to talk about the big games in the relegation battle in the championship this weekend, run through the rest of the fixtures as well, talk about some of the news, and then we'll finish off with Sam Grayson's hateful eight right at the end. Of course, this week, there's no else to start. But of course, with the relegation battle, it's coming down to the last day. We all hoped it would, apart from in one section of the East Midlands. We'll start off with the biggest game in terms of the relegation battle. That was at the Liberty Stadium between Derby and Swansea. Now, a Derby win would have virtually meant the whole relegation battle was over, but the Rams were ahead and then went on to lose 2-1. Derby fan Justin Peach, what did you make of the game? I actually didn't think Derby were too bad. I thought they played pretty well for, for parts and then for some reason, every time Derby go ahead, that's it. That's a, that's an invitation to lose the game. It's it's it feels like classic derby, and by classic derby, I mean just shooting yourselves in the in the foot. It's 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 madness. But as I say, I, I didn't think derby were too bad in the game. But as it goes, they 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 score, they go ahead, and that's it. It's an invitation to lose the game. Hmm. Second game in a row where derby have gone ahead. The opposition make a couple of tactical changes, and derby can see two goals. Is that when you've got to point fingers at Wayne Rooney? Because if the opposition does change things, you've got to react, haven't you? I don't think Swansea actually... I don't think they made any changes, but it's it's the third time in the last six games that Derby have gone ahead and they've they've lost the game. That's an issue. It's it's it's, it's got to be a player thing as well. The play, like for example, the the corner routine that Swansea put together, they dragged Derby out quite naive, but they left big centre-half Ben Cabango at the back post. He was free to, to knock it back in. I have no idea what's what's going on there. There's there's no leadership in in the in the defence. 
Curtis Davis, his absence is is almost is almost as telling as Belix. And then and then the uh, Swansea winner, Connor Roberts, Tom Lawrence. You, you've got to track your man. It's as simple as that. It's the hard work that gets you out of a relegation battle, not not your quality. Yeah, four crosses and four goals are the last yeah. uh, two uh, last four goals for Derby that they've conceded. Matt, did you have one eye on this game while Rotherham were playing? We did, yeah. We had the setup of we had one game on telly, and next to it we had the computer set up with the Derby game on. Um, and first, for a lot of the afternoon, well, for part of it, we were we were down, we were we were done and dusted, we were we were bot- bottom and then relegated, um, and then thankfully, and I'm not, you're not like me for saying this, but thankfully Derby did a Derby and uh, <laughs> <laughs> made us look a bit better. Give it gave us a chance, um, and yeah, it's crazy that this fight's still going. It's unbelievable that yeah. we're all still in it. We'll, we'll get on to your game in just a bit, Matt. Dan, you had the pleasure of playing early. So did you watch the Derby game from behind the sofa? Um, I, it, it was weird because I've been relegated. I've been resigned to relegation now for about four or five weeks. Just thinking, just get it over and done with. Somebody just pull the trigger. And Derby and Rodham just keep effing it up every opportunity they get. <laughs> and and, it, and it's just like, it's just this string like a cat just being dangled. And, that, and now we're going to the last game of the season, looking at it going... Oh God, is this still going on? Like, is is this still happening? Um, but yeah, the the Forest game that that we played early doors was was weird because I, you know I, I don't know if if you guys were the same. I mean, Derby probably not because we showed no fight whatsoever. I was really disappointed with the tempo of the game. I wanted to go at it three. Um, hang on. Three cockerels to the country file. I wanted to absolutely smash it and go at them and really dictate the pace. And they uh, and they didn't. We, we, it was let, just let me stop absolute... you there. Let me stop you there, Dan. We'll get onto your game in just a sec. You're getting ahead of yourself, son. <laughs> Sorry, um, yeah. This derby result means they've lost six games in a row now. Their fate is now out of their hands again because they're three points ahead of Rotherham who have two games in hand. And of course, it's Derby v Wednesday on the last day, which we'll go on to very shortly. Speaking of Rotherham, they managed to draw one all with Blackburn, a late Lewis Wing free kick, rescuing a point. Rotherham were actually bottom before that free <laughs> kick went in. And uh, Matt, what were the scenes like in the Lax household when the ball hit the back of the net? Uh, relief, a massive relief. I mean, this is one of the fun things about relegation fights, that the celebration of relief is almost as good as celebration of, of, of winning. Um Lewis Wing's been teasing as we're goal for a long time. Is it posed? Is it crossbar? He's, he's Lewis Wing. He can he can smash a ball. This one was was much more um, skillfully placed. It the power behind it was very very good. Um, yeah, it was a very very good 86th minute. Before that, it wasn't brilliant, but we tried. And like like, like Dan mentioned about Wednesday, I, I watched game and I, I agree with what he's saying. But we were rather than what we do is we try hard. We run hard. And that, that's never going to be in question for us. I think the quality part's our question, uh, which we haven't got an answer to at times. But yeah, happy, happy to be still in it. And somehow, I have no idea how, but it's back in our hands. It's just, yeah, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the game itself was quite one-sided, wasn't it? Jamal Blackman had to make some mm. big saves in the Rotherham goal. Yeah, he's come back in, Victor Hansen, after he got elbowed in the face last week. In Barnsley game, uh, he's got he was still out from concussion. But he came in against Brent, uh, Brentford in midweek, pulled off a couple of good saves, and pulled up a couple of uh, good saves yesterday. Uh, he's got a lot of hate this season to our Blackman from the Rotherham fans. I think it's easy to dislike a lone keeper, but when he's called upon, for the most part, he pulls off some good saves. His kicking is questionable, but yesterday, 
I think the second, I can't remember that one, Armstrong or Evan, the second half, that were a stunning save just to tip it around the post. And that's kept us, not only kept us in the game, it's kept us in the relegation fight in a good position. So, man of match performance yesterday from Blackman. Yeah, we'll talk about the relegation battle as a whole in just a sec. Mm. We may as well round things off with Wednesday's game against Forest at Saturday lunchtime, which finished nil-nil. Lewis Graben missing a penalty, possibly the first time ever the fans have celebrated their own team missing a penalty, <laughs> uh, because obviously Forest aren't very keen on Derby. Uh, Dan, you were just talking about the game as a whole. What what did you think of it? Because it wasn't much of a thriller, was it? Oh, I had I had people texting me telling me, "Is this what it's like watching Sheffield Wednesday?" And I was like, I, I, I'm like, I swear to God, like when I was ten, they were mint, and then like you know, five years ago, we were really good and that. But no, yeah, this is this is what it's been like for about three years now. Um, but it's so bad, it's so bad, and the like I said, the tempo was really poor. The, we didn't look like scoring. If anything, we should have lost that game two or three nil given the ridiculousness of the penalty and, and the mix-up at the back and and Lewis Graben laughing after he missed, it was a, meh. You know, you know, with bonuses, that's probably cost him about five grand on a goal-scoring bonus, but he's like, nice, nah, all right. You know what I mean? It puts Derby in the mire. But, um, but the referee was on our side. We got away with some absolute stinking uh, results. You know, if the Derby fans were watching our game to the point where Callum Patterson... Uh, literally rugby tackled somebody in the 18-yard box. Every Derby fan across the country was going, I, I don't understand how that's not anything. You know what I mean? And he got waved up and moved along. We, you know, we, we, we rode our luck and we were, it was dire. It was poor. There was no fight from anybody and it was genuinely painful to watch. And, it, you know, and, and I thought, well, that's ruined my weekend. You know, right early doors. You know, there's, you know, my bet had gone to, got, gone to, gone to Bobbins by, uh, by half past two. Wednesday probably relegated as far as I'm concerned, all before three o'clock on a Saturday. And, I, you know, I went for a nap. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, well, as you say, the, the, result, the result at the time, you, you were probably a bit unsure what it actually meant. But, I mean, a point's not a bad result in the end, is it? Well, given, given the way it's gone, and only because Rotherham have... Oh God, Matt, I feel for you, man. You, you had it all in the palm of your hand. You had all those yeah. games... Games in hand, and I thought, well, that's easy, that's done. Do you know what I mean? And then what I was going to do is go on a big 10-minute diatribe on this show on my own uh, and probably get Justin on talking about parachute payments and who's going down and well done to Rotherham and all the rest of it. And you seem to have just effed it up. <laughs> yeah, there's too many games in too many in so, in so few days. It's absolutely killed us. I'll not even talk about some refereeing decisions. But, um, yeah, it's been... It's been the toughest season ever for us. It's been the toughest season for everybody. But then with all these breaks we've had because of COVID and then weather postponements as well chucked in there, uh, it's been... I don't think we'll ever see a season like this again for everybody, in particular what we've gone through. If we we need gaps, we're, we're a high-pressing, high-energy team. So if we're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday every week, we can't play that. So Michael Smith is our most energetic player. He's got nothing left in tank. He can't run, bless him. And we're having to take him off after an hour. And he's one of his best players, but he can't run. So he might as well not be on pitch. We, the schedule's killed us. I don't sound like I'm making excuses. We are as own goal we considered yesterday, Angus McDonald's mistake. But he's been brilliant. But it's just not helped. All these things, it's been a perfect storm of, I said, kick rather than face. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you say, decisions haven't gone your way. Um, there's been plenty of missed chances during that time mm. as well. Hey, it doesn't help that Rotherham have got one of the smallest squads 
in the yeah. league. So all these things have counted against you. But let's get down to business, boys. The final week of the season. Two of the teams we've just spoken about here will be in League One next season. Only one will survive. If you bear with me for a sec, I'll explain how everything's shaping up. Rotherham have obviously got a game in hand against Luton in midweek before Cardiff on the last day. They're three points behind Derby, so you do the math. They've also got a better goal difference than both Wednesday and Derby. So a win in midweek would mean Wednesday are practically relegated unless there's a big goal swing on the last day. And Rotherham would just need to match Derby's results on the final day. Wednesday are hoping Rotherham don't win either of their remaining games and have to beat Derby on the final day. All Derby have to do is not lose to Wednesday and hope Rotherham don't make up the gap. We'll start with you, Justin. Top of the pile right now. How confident are you feeling about staying up? Not very confident at all. I wouldn't be surprised to see Wickham finish above us, to be honest with you. And they've got a 15-goal swing or whatever it is. Um, yeah, the, the team we've got at the moment is is on its last legs. They've not even had the schedule Rotherham have had, so it's not even an excuse. There's no leadership in defence. There's no leadership in the management. There's no leadership in the ownership. Um, it's It really is a mess. And as far as teams going down, it would be probably fitting the two worst run clubs in the league go down and Rotherham stay up. You know, Rotherham are a very well-run club. Uh, Paul Warren's done absolute wonders, but in terms of confidence, there's, there's absolutely nothing there. I'm more confident in me getting more minutes on a Sunday league pitch, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, Matt, it's in Rotherham's hands whether they stay up or not. How are you feeling? Uh, in relegation fights, I almost think it doesn't matter whose hands it's in because anybody can lose in 4-0, anybody coming in 5-0. Um, I don't know. Tuesday's massive. A win for us on Tuesday's sort of good because we'll almost kick Wednesday out of picture. But if Wednesday can't stay up, are they going to be pushing us hard to beat Derby in the last eight season, which we, we need Wednesday to pick us up probably? Because I can't see us winning two games in a row because we've done it like once this season. Um, it's going to be very, very tough. Luton aren't likely to lie down either. They're similar, a very hardworking team. Um, I'm hoping that they do us a favour, but I wouldn't bet on it. I just can't see us scoring enough goals. That's our problem. We scored from a free kick yesterday. We scored from a set piece against Middlesbrough there, our last two goals. We don't seem to we seem to have stopped scoring from open play. And contrary to popular belief or Sky Sports' belief, we're not actually a strong physical team in the attacking area. We don't score that many set piece goals. It doesn't help us having corners and that, 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 that often. So it's a worry. The goals have dried up and at the worst possible time. So I'm not confident either. <laughs> Lots of confidence around this table today. <laughs> Dan, are you confident? It, this is so interesting, isn't it? So, for example, Derby have got the position in the league. Rotherham have got the entirety of the outcome in their hands, in their own hands. And ridiculously, Sheffield Wednesday are the form team. You know, you've got Derby and Rotherham at the bottom of the last six games played and, and Sheffield Wednesday in 20th or something like that. We're the form team, guys. So, you know what I mean? I, I think Matt's right. I think everything falls on uh, on Tuesday because you're right. A win from Rotherham would probably consign us to relegation. Um, I, just, I, I find it really interesting. And, and you know, back to, back to your point, Justin, about... Um, about I wouldn't... You know, if we're getting relegated, I wouldn't begrudge Rotherham staying up because our teams have been woefully mismanaged. You know, we are the um, the epitome of having gone for it and then struggled for the next five years. Do you know what I mean? It's um, And we're trying to find new ways of trying to fund our team. And then the two teams that have come down have gone straight back up with their wonderful parachute payments. You know, the EFL should use this season as an opportunity to look at the way that the finances that are allowed and the finances that 
and, and, and the bigger picture needs something looking at. Because look, at, look, you know, Rotherham have gone down and gone up and gone down and gone up. And, and I, I got a bit of a soft spot for Rotherham. When the Wendy were away, I'd go and watch the Millers and get kicked out the Tivoli on a Saturday night. <laughs> you know what I mean? I used to genuinely enjoy going back back in uh, League One days and League Two days. And um, mm. so, you know, I wouldn't begrudge Rotherham staying up because it, it would seem like it's earned. Do you know what I mean? If we're going down, then let, let Rotherham stay up. But, you know, obviously I'd want the Wednesday to stay up. But I think I'm sick to death of it every game. Like I, I, can't, I can't take it. I'm 40 year old now. I mean, you know, I'm going to need I'm going to need heart palpitations and, and, you know, clear. You see what happens on a Tuesday. <laughs> Do you have a little bit of positivity, though? The fact that Wednesday have even got it down to the last day um, when considering Darren Moore when he was appointed, everything looked doomed. That mm-hmm. is pretty remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we were eight points adrift of the entire shebang. Uh, yeah. And then we got that freak result against uh, against Cardiff City where we spanked them 5-0. I can't, I, I, can't, I can't tell you where that came from. But the, the annoying thing is, knowing that that result is in our locker, why are we then at home to Middlesbrough getting our backside handed to us? Do, do, do you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it, it's, it's beggar's belief that we are so Jekyll and Hyde. And just like Matt was saying about Rodden, we're the same. We can't score a goal. We genuinely just can't put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, the problem is our defence is also like a you know a sieve. Mm, plenty of mistakes being made at the back for Wednesday, isn't there? So let's sum it up, boys. Matt, who's staying up? Uh, probably Derby. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Justin. Rotherham. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you get the deciding vote. Oh, I don't want that. Uh, I'm going to go with the bookies. So, as it stands with the bookies, I think uh, we are something like two to nine to go down. Uh, mm. And Derby are the favourites at evens to stay up. So, probably Derby, given that they're... Uh, but, I, you know, I, I want to make this choice on Tuesday. it make it a lot easier for yeah. me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I genuinely think Wednesday is staying up. I right. know. And it would be such a travesty as well, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. we'd stay up and go... Sorry, lad. <laughs> It'll just be like, how did that happen? But right now, they're in better form than the other two teams. Derby are so, so poor right now. So, so poor. And Rotherham are struggling as well. I fancy Wednesday to win on the last day. And I'm not sure Rotherham are going to do too well against Luton and Cardiff. So I'm saying Wednesday. It'll be the greatest of great escapes. But I genuinely think there's a good chance of it happening. I'm going to hit you with some stats, Ryan, because I know you're a stat man. Um <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday have, have only won away at Derby since 1933 in the league twice. So we've only won at Pride Park once, and that was in 2006. And we've only won in the league twice in 88 years. So, so that's that nice, true? isn't it? Wow. That is, that is an impressive start, but this is the championship, baby. Uh, right, Denimat, thank you for now. We'll come back to you both a bit later on to do Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Me and Justin are going to go round the grounds and we'll begin with Norwich, who are officially champions after beating Reading 4-1. This was Fark Ball at its finest, wasn't it, Justin? It really was. They they felt their grips loosen on the title when Reading put the, put the first goal in. And and they went for it after that. And they're so good to watch at this level. and You have to just sit in awe of Norwich City both performance wise and behind the scenes uh, to those running running the club any club not outside of the Premier League actually no any club even inside the Premier League they should aspire to be like Norwich City the football they play the strategy in place to make the club sustainable it's all going in one direction and it's all working they're a blueprint for how a club should be run 
yeah, I'd agree with that. The four goals they scored here were all very nice. Not sure what was going on for the last goal. Puki had an open goal and was pretty much dribbling it over the line, but a Reading defender was right behind him and just let him do it. I don't know what was going on there. I mean, it obviously, well, it obviously doesn't mean anything, but it was still a bit weird to see. Uh, Norwich left-back Xavi Guintia has got two goals in two games now. This was only his fourth league game back because he's missed the majority of the season with a hip injury, but he's looked very good since coming back. And there's not much else to say on Norwich, really, is there, that we haven't said already. They deserve to go up as champions, and I suppose the fact they've managed to wrap things up so early has been a positive because it's meant they can plan ahead for the summer in terms of recruiting for the Prem. I've seen some players linked as well. I think Ham, ha, Hamza Chowdhury has been linked, which would be a very good signing in that middle, especially if they don't get Oliver Skip back. I think that's that's the, the, the main positive. As you say, they've got time to plan. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what Norwich can do in the Premier League because I think they, they had a good start uh, last season, but it petered out a little bit. So it's about, again, that word sustainability creating a, a sustainable style of football that, that's going to prosper in the, the premiership it's a, it's a big it's a big if but I think this time around they're better prepared yeah they're definitely better prepared I think everyone can agree on that this wasn't a great game from a Reading perspective they were a bit of a disaster at the back really you said not too long ago that you think Reading can improve on the season that they've had because I think by all accounts despite it being a disappointing end overall it has been a very successful one but if Reading are going to build upon this season where do you think they've got to strengthen I think getting some experienced heads in uh, will, will be will be really useful. The likes of Aluko and Boldock are going to go, which for, for I mean they're, they're they're good players, but they're fairly average players at Championship level, and they're 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 probably on a, a fair wage. So balancing the books in that sense is going to be really really helpful. But as I say, getting some experienced heads in and and freshening the team up. Michael Morrison getting injured has proved to be quite a, a devastating blow to Reading at the back. They haven't been as good this season well sorry good since good since he's been injured or as efficient at the back as, as they have been and also a, a tidy backup for Lucas Schau who we know has had injury problems in the past this has been his best run of games in however many years since probably his first season at Sheffield Wednesday so yeah getting a replacement in for Lucas Schau will also be a big help and and also probably with some more creative creativity out wide would, would be would be a good place to start the difficulty is, as it's been well publicised, Reading are spending a ridiculous amount on yeah. wages. So my fear is they're going to have to trim the wage bill by quite a bit before they're even allowed to strengthen. We know Omar Richards is going, but I can't imagine he's on that much. And I think Elise will go because I think they just have to sell him. Even then, they might still be in a position where they've still got to sell. And it could very well be a case of dipping into the low market to try and fill those gaps and that's easier said than done unfortunately. Uh, Wickham's chances of staying up are still alive. They beat Bournemouth 1-0 meaning all they've got to do on the last day is beat Middlesbrough next week by at least 12 goals. Justin, can they do it? Neil Warnock might want that to happen so yeah I, I think they can do it. I'm, I'm, I've been impressed with Wickham of late and why not? You've got a dream. You got a dream. Uchiik Piazzu scored a wonder goal. I don't know what it is about big men scoring screamers, but it just doesn't look natural. When he scored this, it was like he was just swinging a leg at it. But when we talk about players from this Wickham team who could still be playing in the Championship next season, Ik Piazzu is the first one we always mention, isn't he? Is there anyone else you like the look of? Yeah, I think Scott Kashkett's been been good this season. Joe Jacobson has been probably one of the better performing left-backs this season. I know he's 33, but You've, you mentioned Reading in the in the previous the previous game that could do have a backup left back. Joe Joe Jacobson won't be a bad addition. So 
there, there are good players in this Wickham team that we haven't really given enough credit to. Josh Knight, I've mentioned in the past, um, Mehmete as well is, is a good player, and David Stockdale has been in fine form, and he's I think he's unavailable on a free transfer as well. So there are good pickups in this Wickham team, but they'll be trying very hard to keep that team together because they're better equipped to with them to to go back up next season. Yeah, Josh Knight is the one I wanted to mention because he's only on loan and he'll definitely be heading back to a championship club next season, I imagine. And he's been one of uh, Wickham's standout players this season. So I think he'll definitely be a decent pickup for someone. Of course, for Bournemouth, this result doesn't actually change anything because they're definitely in the playoffs. But after looking like a runaway train a couple of weeks ago, they've now lost two in a row, one against 10-man Brentford and Bournemouth really didn't play very well in that game. And now to a virtually relegated Wickham, so should Bournemouth fans be worried by these two results? It's concerning going into the playoffs that they, they, that they have stumbled in the last two games. They made six changes in this in this one, but in terms of quality and the players that they had out there, that was that that should be enough to to see out. Obviously, they're coming up against a, a difficult Wickham team who are still fighting for something. But you've got to match that fight. You've got to match that grit and keep going. And I don't think they did. They hit the woodwork, but I just I think they were second best at times to Wickham and. As I say, going into the playoffs, it's not a good, not a good run form at all. Not at all. Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about Nigel Pearson's appointment at Bristol City and the rest of this weekend's games. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them: a Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that of course includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a Classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either, they've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Bristol City have nothing to play for, but had some big news this week because they've appointed Nigel Pearson as their permanent manager. That's despite only winning two games in 12, and you can now add another one onto that because they were thumped 4-1 by Millwall. Joining us now from the Bristol City Podcast, BS3 Talk, is Jack Dawson. Jack, firstly, how was this game? I didn't watch yesterday's game, but I think telling by the highlights, a bit of a summary of our season. The defending was abysmal. Um, yeah, for all the goals, really. I think the first goal, nil-nil, there was a three-on-one in Millwall's favour from our own free kick, which was bizarre in its own right. But, yeah, I think it just sums up the lack, lack of fight in our team, the lack of leaders. I think everyone is on the beach, has been for a while. There's no real desire. I think we're 19th in the league now, which is, considering we were talked about for top six at the start of the season, it's not very good at all. But, yeah, just summed up our season. No real attacking threat and defensively, which we've usually been able to rely on the last few Last few years, you've usually been pretty poor going forward. We've always had a pretty solid defence. I mean, haven't even had that in the last few years. So, yeah, just not good. And I think there are big, big issues for Nigel Pearson to resolve at the club. Well, this comes after the news that Nigel Pearson has been given the Bristol City job on a permanent basis, a three-year contract. What is your reaction as a Bristol City fan to the news? I'm all for the appointment of Nigel Pearson. I think the majority of the fan base are, which is quite odd when you think that he's won three out of the 13 games he's been in charge for. But whoever it was going to be in charge has got a real real job in their hands, a real, real rebuild on their hands. 13 players that are contract in the season and a lot of those players have been putting in next to no effort in recent weeks, just knowing that they're off. Mara Jager and Jack Hunt 
key examples of that. They both seem to know that they're leaving and as a result just have down tools. And I think it's tough to motivate these players at the minute. I think we're looking towards the youth players that should be nowhere near the first team re- re- realistically. But that Tommy Conway never played an EFL game before last week and now he's, you know, playing up front for us. So that's a situation where in our CEO, Mark Ashton, well, announced a few weeks ago that he's off to Ipswich in the season. So who is it sorting out those contracts? We don't know. Um, yeah, it needs a massive overhaul, but the potential's there. The new training ground's brilliant, the stadium's brilliant, so it is still an appealing job, and hopefully Pearson, with his experience, with his calibre, can be the man to turn it around, because if anyone can, I think someone with the pedigree of Nigel Pearson can do it. Yeah, and when you're looking from the outside in, there are plenty of people who are scratching their heads at this appointment, especially when Bristol City fans are so happy about it, but despite two wins in 13, has he done all right in that time? No, I think is the honest answer, because yeah, the results and performances have both been equally disastrous really he kind of said when he got appointed in the week that he was surprised given how poor they've both been but I think it's his honesty that kind of sets him apart from the previous managers and that's what the fans are really taken to he's aware that that the club are in a bit of a three for them and he seems open to it and ready to take on the challenge which appeals to fans um he's been open in press conferences saying that the players aren't putting their weight and he almost knows which ones they are and he's ready ready to I think he used the phrase push them off the bus so I think the summer's going to be a big summer of overhaul and I think you can't hire a manager like Nigel Pearson and not really give him backing because he's done it in the past. He's real rebuilt clubs from the bottom and we are a bit of a sinking ship at the minute. But Nigel Pearson has the pedigree to turn it around. He's been open about it. He seems like he, he obviously knows what he's doing. He's been in this situation before and nothing will phase him. He'll be more than happy and honest and brutal enough to get rid of those players that aren't putting their weight and bring in, bring in some new ones. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, just quickly before we talk about Pearson... Bristol City were bloody bad here, weren't they? And Jack mentioned it just then. It says a lot about how bad they've been that they're now 19th after challenging for the playoffs earlier in the season. It's been terrible. In any game this season, sorry, in any game this weekend, if I could have predicted a low-scoring one, it would have been this one. So for Bristol City to get thumped really is not... <laughs> doesn't look great at all. And I think that the permanent appointment of Pearson is going to do wonders for the team because it's, it's it's an opportunity for players to know that there's a man in charge now rather than uh, going to the end of the season without without knowing it. They were really poor and it's been the case for, for months now that they've been this bad. The fact that they're below the likes of Birmingham, Coventry and Forest, teams who have been fighting for relegation for most of the season says quite a lot. Pearson, Justin, Bristol City fans are very happy but it is just two wins in 13. So what do you think? I think it says more about the squad than it does Pearson. I think Pearson's a manager who handles transitions really well. He was appointed Leicester manager, we forget, when they were actually in League One, won the title, finishing the playoffs in the Championship the next season. Uh, obviously, I think he left at that point, and then he was reappointed, and the rest is obviously history. Derby was a mistake. Went to Watford last season, got them to the final game of the season after they were bottom of the league for a long time. They hadn't won a game either. So I think he's a manager who's going to get the best out of Bristol City and, and the transition that they're going to find themselves in because the talent's dried up. They don't have as many players they can sell for big money like Adam Webster's and Lloyd Kelly's and whatnot. So they've got to they've got to produce more value, uh, and that's what Pearson's going to do. I actually disagree with you on this one because I really don't get this appointment. And if you just give me a moment to explain why. <laughs> I can accept he's been dealt a tough hand with injuries and players not necessarily giving their all for the team. However, there's two things about that. First off, Dean Holden got sacked when he had exactly the same hand and results weren't going their way. But Nigel Pearson's been awarded for it while 
Holden got the axe. So that doesn't make sense to me. And with the form as it is, to give a manager a three-year contract is bonkers. If they had shown significant signs of improvement but still weren't getting results, I'd understand it. But they're shocking. And we've said it recently, if the season was an extra five or six games longer, Bristol City would probably go down. So this appointment for me is just mind-blowing. And I hope I'm proven wrong, because I really do like Bristol City as a football club. It's one that should probably have been in the Premier League over the past 10 years or what have you. But they're on a very steep decline at the moment. And this is a big summer ahead for the club's long-term future. And if it was me, I'd want a different manager in charge to oversee that. Is there is there a better man than Nigel Pearson at the moment? Probably not. You've got to go searching for it. And there's obviously a structural change at the top. Mark Ashton's left. Someone else has got to come in. So ideas might be different. So I think Pearson, as I said, transition man, is going to, he's, he's, he's the best man for the job. That is a fair argument that Pearson is the best person available. No one else particularly comes to mind. But at the same time, when Pearson was appointed, I'm, I think Cowley, Danny Cowley was available. I think Paul Cook was available. So they had the opportunity to bring in a manager who seems who, who who's made change before. Because we saw that with both Wigan and Huddersfield last season. Both those guys came in and managed to get results instantly. Whereas Pearson had two games and that's been about it. They've been shocking ever since. So it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. But just before we move on, we should give some praise to Millwall for this win. We've hardly mentioned them in this section at all after winning 4-1. Uh, Billy Mitchell scored his first senior goal. I'd like to start a campaign where the EastEnders theme plays when he scores. That was the third goal as well, wasn't it? That that, that goal was incredible. Just the, the goal mouth scramble. It should be turned yeah. into a, a West End play. That that That's what we need to campaign for. That was just absolutely superb. And also a fact here, that was, Jed Wallace got the first. And it, this is his best goal scoring season for Millwall. Surprisingly, Which, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily say he's had as good a season as last season. Exactly, but... Uh, he's been playing up front as well, so I think that's a positive step for, for him as a player and obviously for Mill because they've got a versatile winger who's been very effective as a as a as a striker. That is true. When you have someone as talented as him, you want him on the ball as much as possible, don't you? And I think he's the kind of player who when he plays in the central position he's gonna get on the ball more. But having said that, and this is something we've been saying ever since we really started this podcast, Justin, they're very reliant on Jed Wallace going forward, aren't they? And Maybe the fact that this is his best goal-scoring season says a lot because he has been the main man in that Millwall team and there aren't many others scoring the goals for them, are there? No, but that's that's something that needs to be addressed. They tried to address it last last summer with Zahor, Troy Parrott. Um, so it's obviously some, an area that needs to be looked at to coming into the, the, the close of the season. Massively. The next top scorer is Mason Bennett on six and then Scott Malone on five and he's of course a left back. So yeah, they definitely need to strengthen in the forward areas. In a game that we thought was going to be massive a couple of months ago, but unfortunately isn't anymore. Brentford beat Watford 2-0. A surprisingly very comfortable win for the Bees. Very much so. Very impressive actually. And they've built on a on a a bad run of form. I don't think. I don't think it's been a bad run of form. They've been a very hard team to beat of late, and they've they've shown that, which is a very good trait to have going into the playoffs. And as you say, they've beaten a Watford team who still had something to play for in terms of getting to the title, and they beat them very well. The big news is Ivan Tony has finally equaled the record for the most goals scored in a championship season. The magic thirty. Only Glenn Murray has scored that many before. The question is, Justin, 
where does Ivan Tony rank in terms of the best strikers the Championship has ever seen? It's difficult to say because it's his first season, first and only season maybe, if uh, if Brentford go up. But there, there are players like uh, Nathan Ellington, Chris Martin, Jason Roberts, a lot spring to mind, Glenn Murray. You know, they, these guys have done it consecutive seasons. But um, Ivan Tony's got the ability to step up to the Premier League. So it's very hard to say he's, he's one of the best championship strikers after just one season. But he's, he's, he's proven to be one of the best goal scorers in the championship that we've seen so far. For me, he is the very best. And the wow, reason for okay. that is, well, you say, you say, wow, OK, but... I mean, he's equaled the record for the most goals in a season. So not broke it though. Can't be might, the best. He's not broke it. He might still. He he's might still. Best. Justin. He might still. But the thing is, it's not for me. It's not just down to his goals. It's the fact that he's got ten assists as well, which just shows he is a terrific all-round striker. He can do it all. There is a scenario in his game which I see as a weakness, and I think that says a lot about him. And it also says a lot when Bradford got him for what was it, seven million. That looks a bargain in hindsight. Whatever division Brentford are in next season won't matter because he'll be in the Premier League, won't he? Without a doubt. And I'd be very surprised if there aren't teams in the top half of the Premier League taking note of how he's doing. But I hope he is in the Premier League with Brentford, obviously, because we want to see these championship clubs sticking it to the man. Uh, final points on this game. The result means Brentford are definitely finishing third. And that, of course, means they'll be playing sixth in the playoffs. Is that an advantage, Justin? I don't think it is. I don't think it matters who you play. <clears throat> it could be Barnsley. It could be could be Bournemouth. It doesn't matter. It's the semi final of the playoffs. As I say, you, you play anyone. It's a hard game. The you know, teams 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 change the way they play sometimes in the playoffs because they're so cagey. These games, so it really doesn't matter for me. Yep, Huddersfield are officially safe after drawing one all with Coventry and because of results elsewhere. It brings to an end a very concerning second half of the season for Huddersfield where I think Carlos Corbran will be looking to quickly move on to the next campaign if he's still in charge. Whoa, it's a long-term project at Huddersfield. Phil Hodgkins, Hodgkinson's talking about this, spoken about this sorry, quite often um, and Corbran for me is, is, is the right man. We've, we've got to see him there next season with a, a slightly larger budget because they've started from scratch this season, that has to be said. Yep, the transfer policy needs to improve because it's not exactly been shining this season, has it? Uh, Coventry now up to 17th. Seems like just yesterday we were worried about them going down. Cardiff had a good weekend. They beat Birmingham 4-0. Harry Bolson scoring possibly the best hat-trick ever. Does he score normal goals? Don't think he does. No, no. He never scores tap-ins, does he? It's always at least from 25 yards out. It's a tap. It's a tapping for him from twenty-five yards out. Thirty yards is a bit difficult, but from twenty-five yards, it's a tapping for Harry Wilson. Um, yeah, all, all three goals were were pretty sublime, and it's only his seventh for the season, which I think is a pretty poor return for a player of his ability. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. And uh, just quickly on the goals, the first one was just delightful. The keeper rushing back, hits it with the outside of his foot into the top corner from thirty yards out, and then two very Harry Wilson-esque free kicks. Oh yeah. But, we did briefly speak about it last week and we were talking about where he could be going. But this is a timely reminder of how talented a player he can be. 23 as well. He's very much in a, in a position where he has to find a permanent home. Could be in the Championship, could be could be in, a, in the Premier League team. But yeah, he's, he's a talent. And Cardiff haven't really got, haven't seen the best of him this season, I don't think. I think he could have offered a little bit more, but can't be too critical, can we? I'd agree with that. I think he's definitely got the potential to be a Premier League player in a few years' mm-hmm. time, but I don't think if I was a Premier League club, I'd want to be spending millions of pounds 
on Harry Wilson after the season he's just had. So he could probably do with another season at championship level. It's just, as we said last week, who's going to stump up the money for him, especially after this season that he's had. QPR's remarkable second half of the season form continued. They beat Stoke 2-0. In the 2020 half of the season, QPR won four games. In the 2021 half of the season, they've won 14 it's just magnificent, isn't it? And a big part of that is down to the loan signings they brought in with the likes of Jordi Device, Charlie Austin, Stefan Johansson. They need to make these signings permanent, don't they, to try and carry on this form into next season? Absolutely. They're, they're, they're three experienced players in the spine of QPR's team. They've been massive for them. We've seen Charlie Austin score goals. His link-up play with Lyndon Dykes in this game is... A very is, is a huge positive for QPR because Lyndon Dykes had a slow start, but since Charlie Austin's come in, he's really, really improved, especially over the last five or six games. Very excited for QPR next season. I don't want it. I don't want that bubble to burst. I, I, you know, they're a good side. They're a good footballing side. And I know Mark Warburton's been linked with F, a job at the FA, and I, I don't want this bubble to burst. It needs to carry on because there's a lot in this team that can that can produce and uh, keep going. Speaking of Mark Warburton, he missed this game because of knee surgery. So we wish him all the best. It's quite funny, actually, isn't it? Because QPR and Stoke playing each other here. These two teams have had very contrasting seasons, haven't they? Stoke have had a terrible 2021 compared to 2020. Preston beat Barnsley 2-0. Bit of a surprising result. Barnsley not resting any players. Bit surprising as well, because considering the amount of running that they do in games, you'd probably wouldn't have blamed Valerie and Ishmael for giving others a go. But they just seem to have an off day, didn't they? They did. It was a it was a really poor first half, which pretty much prompted uh, Valerie Ishmael to to make some changes at half time. But clearly, the team didn't settle. They conceded four minutes into the second half, which is a game killer. Really, it really does take the wind out of your sails to throw in another cliche. And uh, you don't want this complacency setting in for, from Barnsley's perspective. You've got to keep that those standards really, really high. Especially as I say, going into the playoffs, it's really, really important. Really important. Three straight wins now for Preston and Frankie McAvoy, the caretaker manager, has given a good audition for the job full-time, hasn't he? I think he has. I'd be surprised if he wasn't a front-runner. He's lost just one of his seven games in charge and they've they've looked really good in those games. That one defeat was actually a, a, a panning from Brentford. It was the final 5-0 defeat. We take that 5-0 defeat out of this run of games they've had. They've only conceded one goal. So it's gone way under the radar. And uh, I think the only sort of hazard with it is that some caretaker regimes don't work out once they, once they become permanent but I think Frankie McAvoy he's delivered consistency for Preston for the first time this season it's got to be worth a go well Preston fans are asking the question as well because they've been impressed with what they've seen it's a mm. massive contrast to what we saw under Alex Neal where the side just could not find any consistency at all they were leaking goals at the back and McAvoy's find a way to make it work but as you say Caretaker managers do have a tendency to not do as well when they actually get appointed. So it'll be interesting to see what Preston do over the summer. Final game, Luton against Middlesbrough. That finished one all. Luton probably deserving the three points, which will be good news for Derby on Wednesday because obviously Rotherham play Luton in midweek. Definitely. And also I came across a stat that Warnock's unbeaten against Luton in his career, which is absolutely incredible. I don't, it's a long career. I don't it's a long career. He's played them that much though, has he? But he's been a manager since the 20th century, so... (laughs) That's a fair point, but Luton have been in the conference and back, haven't they? So I can't imagine they have actually played too much. But either way, it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. Peterborough 
will be joining us back in the Championship next season. They've been promoted from League One after finishing second. Are you looking forward to seeing Posh back in the second tier, Justin? Yeah, it's, it's a good away. I don't think I'll be able to go to it, maybe, with Derby's potential relegation battle. But yeah, it's, it's a good away day um, going to London Road. And uh, they're a good team, Peterborough, under Darren Ferguson. I think Darren Ferguson's had something like four promotions in his career, and three of them have been with Peterborough over the spell of about 15 years. They're a good side, very good side, as we all know. Very good attacking football as well. Who's the other promotion with? Is it Preston? Um, no, it might have been Wrexham. I don't know. No. It's a good question, actually. That is a good question. Um, I've always had a few question marks over Darren Ferguson, I will be honest, Mm. but he has done very well to get this Peterborough side promoted. And I'm very interested to see how they do in the Championship because around 2010, they just seem to keep getting promoted and going straight back down straight away. And Mm. if they didn't go straight back down, they were in a relegation battle. But while they've been in League One, it seems like they've been missing out on promotion for the past seven or so seasons. But the fact they've actually been promoted from a league, which has got some bloody big teams in it, like Sunderland, Ipswich, Portsmouth, you've got to be a good side to do that. And here they are, they're back in the Championship. Johnson Clark Harris is the headliner, NT, 31 goals this season. There's already been plenty of interest in him from Championship clubs. But then you've got the likes of Siriki Dembele, who's a very talented attacker Sammy Schmodick's got 15 goals from midfield and then Frank Kent at the back is someone who I like and they could be a dangerous side next season both them and Hull are coming into this league meaning business aren't they they are they've got momentum as well and they're both te- they're two teams that play attacking football which can get you quite far in this league we, we've we've seen Rotherham be a bit more conservative at times a bit more a little bit more defensive same with uh, Wickham obviously and obviously Coventry as well so these two teams coming in could do well they really could and Peterborough got some good young players Hull have got some good young players it's an exciting time for them it really is because we need this in the championship really two two teams two fresh teams coming up it, it is refreshing it is nice to see yeah and the thing is with the season that we're still in now right at the start we had the three teams coming up didn't we and you looked at those three three teams because they've had so little time to prepare for the season and covid has hit finances you were looking at it and thinking well we put in our league table prediction didn't we we had Rotherham and Wickham go straight back down and that Mm -hmm. could still very well happen these two teams coming up I think could do all right and Hull especially I reckon they could be mid-table next season if they manage to have a good summer in terms of recruitment so yeah it is exciting times Nigel Pearson has signed a three-year deal at Bristol City after being in the job until the end of the season spoke about that earlier championship clubs and players have been boycotting social media this weekend calling for more action against discrimination and abuse online we spoke about this last week didn't we Justin hopefully it makes the social media companies do something about it but what I've been hearing from them it sounds like they're just sticking to their guns because they don't care. We see the abuse happening all the time, but these companies are still making money, so they're not going to pull the finger out. Absolutely. The, the more see the more money they make, they won't care. I think Patrick Bamford nailed it with the uh, the European Super League. If you hit them in the pockets, that's when they that's when they take notice. That's when rich people take notice. So yeah, absolutely hit them in the pockets. And as they say, they know people are going to come back to uh, people and organisations are going to come back to social media after this boycott ends. Yeah, hopefully. It makes something happen, but we'll have to just wait and see. Barnsley fans had a bit of a scare this week. There were reports over in America that star striker Daryl DK was going to be recalled from his loan spell just before the playoffs. However, Barnsley and Orlando City managed to come to an agreement. Obviously good news because we want to see as competitive a playoffs as possible. We want to see Daryl DK in the playoffs. 
100 percent and obviously with Barnsley it would have been a travesty for him to go back to the MLS not to not to take a dig at the MLS but there's a lot of quality in the championship there's a lot of quality in these playoffs and I think if a, if a Daryl DK leading a line at Barnsley I think they've got a very very good chance of being promoted if I'm being honest Justin, that's a conversation that we'll mm. have to have very, very soon. The dates of the playoff semi-finals have been confirmed. The first legs are going to take place on Monday, the 17th of May. Worth pointing out, that's also the first day people are allowed inside of pubs again in England. While the second legs are on Saturday, the 22nd. Do they usually have the two legs on the same day? Has this always happened? I don't know. It's always like, it's always a Saturday and a Sunday and then I can choose a Wednesday. That's what I thought. But, I, yeah. but they've done it differently this year. I presume it's just because of COVID, but there you go. Swansea defender Cal Norton has signed a one-year contract extension. Didn't realise he was 32. Thought he was still an up-and-coming wonder kid. <laughs> Came through with Kyle Walker, didn't he, at Sheffield United? So Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And finally, has Derby's takeover been complete yet? Hasn't. It hasn't. Don't actually know what's going on with that anymore. Uh, Let's do some polls, Justin. This is the part of the show where we give the listeners three questions on social media to see if they want to give their thoughts on what's going on in the championship at the moment. The first one is the big one. Who's staying up? Derby, Rotherham and Wednesday. You said Rotherham, didn't you? I said Rotherham. I said Wednesday. 37% said Rotherham. 36% said Derby. 27% said Wednesday. So it's close. I want Wickham to do it. I don't know how. I don't know how, but just to just to send us all hate mail if they do, it'd be, it'd be very satisfying. If Ikpiatsu has a good day, <laughs> gets a triple hat-trick, a hat-trick of hat-tricks, they've yeah. got a chance. Um, is Ivan Tony the best championship striker ever, yes or no? No. So silly. Why is that silly? He's got the joint record for the most goals. So he's the joint best at, at the very least. It's also worth pointing out, I think the record for the most goal contributions in the season is 41 and he's on 40. So, so he's still not the best in that category either. But he's ticking all these boxes. and the fact you shot yourself been, in the foot, Ryan. The fact it's just being dismissed makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, 27% said yes, 73% said no. Uh, the final question, who is H? Of course, line of duty. Patricia Carmichael, Chief Constable Osborne, Ted Hastings or someone else? I'm going to have to tick someone else because I'm only halfway through season two. We literally started it last week. Why have you waited from the first so season? long? People have been talking about it so much as, why not? Let's go. Let's crack on. <laughs> uh, 36% said someone else. 26% said Osborne. 24% said Ted Hastings. Don't even know thought- who Osborne is. <laughs> I think he's been in it. Well, you've been watching it. Oh, I need to get a notebook. You're not paying attention. Uh, 14% (laughs) said Patricia Carmichael. Uh, Obviously, by the time this episode goes out, it will be Sunday. And I imagine most people have actually watched Line of Duty by that point. So um, you can see if we're correct. Here's my guess. I think it's Kate. Now it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson here. So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show. Dan Fudge from the Wednesday Week and Matt Lax from the Rotherham United podcast. Now, you three are, of course, all rivals for the upcoming week. But are you willing to work together to try and get through Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight, Matt? Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure I've won one while I've been on this season. So now's the time. Dan, have you won one? No, I I keep failing in the first round and then getting the wrong (laughs) answers, trying to help everybody along afterwards. (laughs) Good stuff. Well, to be fair, 
I think this one's quite easy. But for anyone who's not listened to before, this is Simon Grayson Tape for Eight. All the boys got to do is name eight of a certain subject uh, and they've got to work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say, name the last eight players Brentford have made the biggest profit on and Justin would say Ollie Watkins, that's one down. And Dan would say Saeed Benrahma, that's another down. But if Matt would say... Ali DR, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, chaps, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. So the official EFL Championship team of the season came out this week. Quick reminder, it's not as prestigious as the second tier team of the season, but either way, it came out this week. It's a standard 4-4-2 formation. Therefore, can you tell me the four defenders and four midfielders who are included in the team of the season? Not sure if Matt's uh, Dan's seen it, judging from the look on his face, but uh, we'll give it a go anyway. Dan, you can start. Name a player who's played in midfield or defence in the EFL team of the season for me. Oh, God, does he even count as a midfielder? Uh, I'm going to go with Cantwell at Norwich. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's out straight away. Todd Cantwell is not in there. So, good start, boys. Uh, you're down to two of you. Matt, it's your go. Uh, Alex Mowat's in there, I think, isn't he? Yes, he is. The Barnsley captain is in midfield. Justin, I'd expect you to clean up here. So mm. I've got high hopes for you. Justin, can you name me one, please? Well, you've, you've told me several times that second tier awards is more prestigious, so I've barely paid attention to it. <laughs> um, the easy one's Amy Buendia. Yeah, of course. Mm. Obvious one. He also won player of the season. Matt, your go. Uh, I'm struggling, to be honest. I'm, I'm just thinking about some Norwich players. Um, is Grant Hanley still playing for Norwich? Is he in? He is in there. Yeah, he's he a centre back. Grant Hanley, Norwich defender. Justin, your go. I want to say Elise. I want to say Elise got in there. Michael Elise is in there. The teenagers in the middle of the park after a glorious season with Reading. I think he also won Young Player of the Season. Matt, your go. Um, is Max Aaron's in? Yes, yeah. he is. The young Norwich defender is at right back. You've done well so far. You've got three left. Justin, it's your go. Oh, right. We're at a stumbling block now. Um, Dan Juma. Yes, Arnold Dan Juma. The Bournemouth winger is there on the left wing. You've got two left. Matt, it's your go. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think it's him, but I've got Lerma from Bournemouth. You're wrong. Jefferson Lerma <laughs> is awesome. not in there. You're down to the two defenders. If that helps. So Justin's last man standing. Can you name the final two defenders in the AFL team of the season? Honestly, left backs have completely escaped me. Um, honestly, can't think of any. Uh, Mark Gehr. You're wrong. Mark no, Gehr is no. not in there. So I think that just about sums up your three seasons. Well, all, those, all those players, all those players were at the end of the league that none of us have looked at. I'm like, who's this guy? <laughs> Uh, the players you were missing were Sean Morrison, the Cardiff captain. He's at centre-back. He was a Cardiff player. And the left-back, I think, was probably the one I was expecting you to completely miss out, is Adam Messina, the Watford defender. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Watford left-back. He was the other player included in the team of the season. So, just like this season, boys, you've all failed at Simon Grayson's hateful eight. <laughs> and... It's been a pretty miserable episode on that perspective, but uh, there we go. So this has been the Second Tier Podcast. Thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. We'll be back again on Thursday to look ahead to what is going to be a massive, massive climax in the championship season. Who's going down? We'll have a look at it on Thursday. But thank you to our guests on the show this week. Dan Fudge from the Wednesday week. Thank you for your time. Uh, No problem. Thanks for having me. 
Matt Lax from the Rotherham United podcast. Thank you for your time. Cheers, mate. Anytime. It's been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Thank you.